Hey y'all, I'm C.G. Townsend, your host of the Being Balanced Podcast, a space full of ways to help you stop the glorification of busyness. We're talking aha moments, must-have resources, real-life wins, and small shifts that lead to incredible impact. To the Being Balanced podcast. I am C.G. Townsend, your host, and once again, I am here with another person that inspires me, encourages me, empowers me, motivates me, and I just cannot keep her all to myself. So I felt like you guys needed to meet her and get to know all things Lelia. So if you would, please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about you. Wonderful. Hi, y'all. I am Lilia Gowland. And as I thought about how to introduce myself, I felt I would pull a line from my bio, which concludes with my being a New Orleans native and enthusiast, which means I freely use the word y'all and have a costume closet that's exclusively dedicated to costumes. (laughs) (laughs) And one of the things that I've reflected a lot about is how being born and raised in New Orleans Um, has informed how I approach my work and and how I show up in the world. And one of the things that the city really prides itself on is taking what's really difficult and, you know, things that are hard and really bringing joy, levity, and perspective. So I feel incredibly fortunate to work with women who want to have greater impact, who want to have careers that are more joyful and profitable. And there are three different ways that I do that. So I'm a public speaker. I work with professional associations that want to support and engage women often in male-dominated industries. Second, I'm a writer for a few different publications, Forbes, NBC, and others. And then lastly, I host retreats for women who really want to engage and do some deep self-reflection and figure out what a more fulfilling career would look like and how to get there in community with other women. So it's just an absolute delight to reconnect with my dear friend, CG, and to talk with y'all today about being balanced. And you just listed a whole host of things that you um, have going on and different hats that you're wearing. And I know that that's even just the short list, right? Um, But with all of those things that you are doing, tell us how you define balance. My, so I was on a call last night Uh, in a program called the Flourish series that my friend Molly Mm. Richard hosts. And she was talking about how she's living in someone else's home right now. She's running a political campaign. And part of her job is to, not her job, but part of her commitment is to take care of this cat named Pepper. And she realized that how she felt about Pepper was pretty representative of how she felt about her life as a whole. If Pepper was being really annoying she felt really frustrated because it's like, oh, that cat is so chill. Like, what a good cat. She was feeling pretty (laughs) chill about her life. And I thought that that analogy was pretty representative. And how it shows up in my life is with uh, how I respond to my grandmother when she calls. So moving back to New Orleans, uh, part of that was that I wanted to spend more time with my grandmother. When I started my own business in 2013, again, part of it was because I wanted to be able to spend an afternoon with my grandmother in the middle of the week, if that's what she needed or I wanted. And um, how I answer the phone when she calls is a pretty good representation of how balanced I feel. If it's, hey, Granny, what's up? 
then that's that's a time of a little bit greater stress or a lot more going on. Um, but if I'm really able to sit there and have a conversation with her, um, which often sounds like, you know, her telling me about her day or whatever's going on, uh, then that's a sign of a balanced, a balanced day. And, and I'll add that we've started reading the same books. And this started in 2011, and I've restarted it again recently, where if I read a book that I love or she reads a book she loves, um, we write our experience of it in the back and then give it to the other person for them to date and write their experience. So I have things mm. going as far back as 2011 when she read Water for Elephants while she was taking care of my grandfather who was dying. And that, like how I show up in the world and what motivates me centers on connection. And wow. so when I'm balanced, I'm able to really live into those connections and celebrate the relationships that I have, both new and uh, very, very old. Centered on connection. Like, I think that that's powerful. And you, I personally know, and, and I can kind of share with folks, you know, a little bit more about our experience, but I met you during a season of significant transition in my life. I had just recently moved to New Orleans. I was in a new job role. I was participating in a new program with new pre-screen friends. I just had a lot going on. <laughs> And, <laughs> you know, like life was just kind of cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. And I had to redefine what balance meant for me at that particular time in my life. Um, and one thing that was extremely transformational and was a huge pivot for me was kind of like making those connections with this new group of friends that in essence, we all applied to be in a program to then be friends. Mm. Um and you were one of those people. And, and for me, it was it was extremely impactful at that time in my life. And then you were a part of so many other different pivots in my life from that point on. And I know that you do that in a lot of the work that you do. Day in and day out, you're interacting with people that are looking to potentially make significant pivots in their careers, in their professions. And in different areas, right? But they also have competing priorities. So tell us a little bit more about how you help those people stay kind of on that track of becoming unstuck and pursuing career goals and things like that when they have a million and one other things happening in their lives. Mm. Okay, first I got chills <laughs> at your reflection about how we showed up in each other's lives and how influential I think we both were in connecting in that, that specific moment in our lives. And so what I'll acknowledge is part of what was so transformational for me about that time is that I had kind of been taught that I should prioritize in my own work what people would pay me to do, what I was good at, and probably how I wanted to impact the world. And up until that moment that we spent that first retreat weekend together, I hadn't considered how I wanted to spend my time. That hadn't mm -hmm. seemed like an appropriate thing to consider when thinking about my career. And so I, you know, by way of context, when I ran a political campaign in 2012, I worked as hard as I could conceivably work. I fell asleep at my computer. I woke up early and was so stressed out, I cracked three teeth from daytime teeth clenching because oh I wear gosh. a bite guard at night. And 
after that, I did this audit of what was most fulfilling to me about the campaign, what I liked and what I didn't. And, and I always tease people would come up to me after the campaign and say, oh, I know who to call when I run for office. And I would say, yeah, and I'll recommend someone wonderful. Like I'm never doing this again. <laughs> so really my work with women is informed by my own experience and the gift that the program that you and I went through gave me, um, the new leaders council centers on this idea that, that we can discern. And for me, it's how do I want to engage in the progressive movement and how do I want to spend my time? And those things aren't mutually exclusive. So when I'm working with women, typically they're coming to me in a, in a place of feeling stuck, in a place of feeling frustrated and, and uncertain. I, I talk about being in seeker mode, a term we learned through that time together. And essentially, if you imagine two variables, first is your drive, how motivated you are to affect change in your life, and then direction as the other variable. And that's the clarity about which direction to take and, and what you're working towards. The women that see the best results working with me are women who say, I am very clear that I am ready to take action. Where I have less clarity is about what it looks like and what I'm working towards. And right. so the way I show up is really, um, first, the personal vulnerability. I'll always share um, my own experience. It's not me talking from, a, from you know, the stage on the stage with all this expertise and wisdom. Uh, it's instead a really candid conversation about my own experience. And when I'm working individually or in this group setting with women, it's, it's about asking questions. It's about mirroring and holding space for them, saying, you know, what I'm hearing you say is, and what I think is really powerful about that is there are very few spaces where we can really explore our own values and our own experience. Mm -hmm. So often the feedback we get is, is advice or someone who my, my husband thinks I should do this. My partner thinks I should do that. Or my mom would be so disappointed. Mm -hmm. And instead it's really centering your experience and your strengths. Thinking back on seeker mode and like, drive and motivation like it's so important for us to first know what we want before we start to pursue this life that we believe we're meant to have mm. and you've actually shared a lot about that recently as you've become a new mom and that's a new journey and a new chapter in your story um, and you shared uh, a post on Instagram on Mother's Day um, where you very <laughs> candid, very, because, I mean, you you told us you share, and yes, you do, um, but you very can't, you, <laughs> you very candidly shared kind of an experience, you know, and like, you had a great idea, you, at one point, your husband had no idea what this new idea was, and it was a shift in what you guys had already planned, and it's not like he could read your mind. You know, he wasn't even a part of this big surprise that you had kind of like shifted and decided to do. And at the bottom of that post, it just really stuck with me when you were like, we need to know what we want. Like, it's just in all areas of our life, beyond our careers, beyond our professions, we just need to be super clear and have some level of clarity as to what we want before we start to try to actually get there. And so I think it's very important that, you know, if folks are taking notes, take that takeaway, like go back, rewind, make sure you didn't miss that. 
um, being in seeker mode and, and really having that drive and motivation. So I mentioned a little bit about you being a new mom, but wait, and were CJ, you can about I jump in something? there? Yeah, go for it. The thing about clarity is that I think it can be really hard to achieve in your day to day. And so I tease women who are calling me and, and requesting support that, you know, some of it is just having taking the time. But if you were to just go sit by the bayou or whatever body of water is nearest you, um, maybe your swimming pool, and sit with a blank piece of paper and say, okay, what do I want in life? That might be really challenging. And so what I want to acknowledge there is that clarity is not something that we can just snap our fingers or even spend two hours and then, and then have it pat. It's really a practice. And so the way that I show up in my business is really supporting women and getting that clarity through a process. So it's not you sitting down there with a blank piece of paper. It's instead a structured series of exercises to support you in getting clarity in a way that's joyful and fun and abundant. You just make me want to like stop this whole conversation and go get some joyful abundance clarity. Like, <laughs> like I'm like, I feel like I've been missing out and doing this all wrong. Like that was awesome. Thank you. Thank you. So y'all write that down too. That's a, that's another good takeaway. Um, and I anticipate that there will be so many more. Um, so we were chatting a little bit about, or actually I mentioned that you um, have most recently become a new mom and you're, you're, you know, moving in that transition. And I just, I have really, really, really enjoyed your transparency and your candid um, moments that you shared with us on social media about your journey. I would love for you to kind of talk about a recent article that you did for NBC News where you talked about parental leave, because I think it's really important that people understand that that looks different for everybody. Um, and there were some great nuggets that you shared. So please tell us a little bit more about, you know, the motivation for that article. Like, why did you even decide that it was an important topic that we address at this point in time? And then a little bit about the article. Yeah. The article came from my own exploration about how to structure my maternity leave. So as a solopreneur, I have a team of friends and consultants and thought partners who help make my business run on a daily basis. And the vast majority of the work itself does fall to me. And so I wanted to understand what women I knew and women I didn't know had planned for how they had structured their time away from their business and what worked best for them, what lessons they learned. So I feel incredibly fortunate to have um, these platforms through which to do that research and, and to share what I learned. And so I pitched my editor at NBC News this idea of, I want to interview women about their experience with maternity leave and specifically entrepreneurs who work for themselves and don't have a team. And what I learned was really um, quite beautiful, I think. And, and you know what, I'm going to back up and acknowledge that before I share anything about this article or about my experience with maternity leave, I'm going to put on my policy hat, which my master's is in public policy, and I'm a huge nerd for it. Um, my first boss reached out to me after that NBC article came out, and she said, Lilia, I agree with everything you've said. I think what you're doing is so important. And we absolutely need, it is imperative as a country, that we get paid family leave for all Americans. 
And I just, I mean, I got chills saying it. And so mm-hmm. I want to acknowledge the gravity of that statement and that in nearly every other developed country in the world, paid family leave, and not just paid maternity leave, but paid family leave for, for family, parents, providers, um, is built in to their social safety net. Um, so what I was doing is figuring out, given that, you know, IT is, it seems like I have unlimited unpaid maternity leave, right? Because I run my own business. But in practice, it's a lot more complicated than that because it's not just, okay, I'm going to take this time off and not work. It's also, mm-hmm. what am I going to come back to? And if mm-hmm. I haven't posted on social media, haven't promoted my content, haven't written an article and haven't hosted a retreat or a happy hour, in, let's say I wanted to take six months, what does that look like for my business? So mm. one of the women I interviewed um, shared that she was starting her own business right as she was pregnant, right as she had her baby. And so her company is Windowsill Pies, which is just the most delightful name for a company. <laughs> um, she makes pies with her business partner. And what what she shared in her experience was like, I just brought the baby to everything I did. And, you know, I was mm. um, like, and she's got this picture, that's the, the main picture in the, um, in the article. And it's, it's her wearing the baby in a backpack, rolling out dough and her selling at the farmer's market with the baby in tow. Wow. And the privilege that, that I have and that she has of, of making her own path. I mean, my, I'm super fortunate. My husband is a bar owner and I guess bar owner. He owns bars now. We have just opened our second location. And what's really beautiful about that is we just trade off childcare over the course of the day. Mm-hmm. And even as I was a brand new mom, he was able to be home too. And he could, you know, email a little here and there. And and what I found so one of my um one of my dear friends, Anya Groner, who's a brilliant writer, she had a great piece in Modern Love. Um she she talked about like, if you're going to be your own boss, what kind of boss do you want to be? Yeah. Pressure to, to work and to, or to not work, right? I have another friend who talked about taking a call with the Department of Education from her hospital bed. Yeah. And I think it's so powerful to acknowledge that everyone's on their own path. And what we really need as a country is a living wage that, and, and family leave that would afford us all the opportunity to meaningfully bond with our child without worrying about our income. Um, And there was an aspect of my work that brought me so much joy. It, it would have been painful not to do it. And so after the retreat, there's an opportunity to, so I host these retreats centered on career fulfillment. And there's a small group of women who work with me on an ongoing basis. It's a six month commitment. And it's building this deep, meaningful, and connected community where we connect every week, multiple times. We have this hour-long video session. And it's so incredibly supportive and enriching to my life, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I I can talk at length about the impact for them, but I'll focus on my experience in this moment and share. There was a moment when I was seven months pregnant where I had spent all morning crying. Like, I'd written a proposal, and then I was so miserably, like, sick, nauseous tired, emotional, and awful. And I opened the computer and I honestly, I thought about changing it to a call because my eyes were still so puffy, right? Like I could, I wasn't sure I could do it. And 
And I opened the computer and I saw one of my clients' faces and the like joy that just like short circuited my body was insane. It was beautiful. And so Mm -hmm. as I thought about my maternity leave, it was, I want, I want that. I want more of that connection. And if I didn't, not if I didn't, I imagined the possibility. I said, what would it look like for me to do this in a way that is joyful and, and affords me the opportunity to take care of my child and bond and recover from this, you know, um, physical trauma my body experienced. Right. And what was so cool is because of the community I had built and because of the type of work I do, I, I took calls while breastfeeding. You know, they I'm on video and I say, say hi to Felix. You know, my little boy is just out of their shop breastfeeding. It really, the, the thing that I took home from all of those interviews was really about not shoulding myself about what I should be doing. Oh, I shouldn't be working. The baby's only five weeks old. I gave a speech at six weeks. Um, it was right up the street from my house, paid real good money, uh, and was with an amazing group of women. And so I said, you know, I can work for three hours on that day. That sounds good. Giving yourself permission is really the first step. So many people are not doing that. They're, like you said, I mean, like all the things they should be doing, they're thinking of it that way. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, thank you is really what we should be saying for shedding some light on all of the different ways that people are doing it and making it public and talking about it. I I think that it's refreshing. And I think that we need more conversations that are that transparent. Mm. I think it's important. I like to call these LG isms um, (laughs) because there's a lot of them and I have been just picking them up along the way, as long as I've known you and just kind of writing them down and keeping them in my back pocket And there's one that is by far my favorite. So Mm -hmm. last summer, I made my way to New Orleans to do a Balance Not Busy Lunch and Learn at Launchpad. Um, And there were lots of familiar faces in the room that just brought me great joy. And at the end of my presentation, you made a comment about ta-da lists. And from that point on, I just, you know, had my own little interpretation of to-da lists. And I just got real serious about how I was going to make myself focus more on a to-da list versus a to-do list. Well, recently, you gave us a little bit of an explanation on the social mediums about what exactly a to-da list is. So I would love for you to tell all our friends here on the podcast more about to-da lists. They're based on this idea that what we don't finish in a day. So if I were to ask you, tell me three things you didn't finish today. I think you'd probably be able to tell me quite quickly. Oh, yeah. And then if I asked you three things you did accomplish, it might take you a moment. Mm. And there's this Russian psychologist named Bluma Zigarnik, who's in the 1920s. So I want to say that again, a female psychologist in Russia in the 1920s, so badass. Right. She talks about, it's called the Zigarnik effect. And it says that the things that are left unfinished stay in our minds like a cognitive itch. Oh, I just think that is like, so evocative, right? So yeah. it stays in our minds like a cognitive itch, these things that are left unfinished. Wow. And so one way to counteract that is to really um, bring to the fore the things you did accomplish. 
And the way that I structure it is in a Google Doc. And each day I strive to, don't do it every day, but I strive to throughout the day add things to my to-do list. And sometimes at the end of the day, I can't remember. It's, you look around and you're like, oh, what the hell did I do all day? And on days like that, frankly, my email and my calendar are great cues, great reminders of the things that I did. And so, you know, for example, um, I learned that a beloved teacher had gotten a severe cancer diagnosis. And mm. I spent a ton of time coordinating with my entire, you know, 13 person honors class from high school to put together a card for her and each share a memory of, of the time we spent together. Now, and I have this picture, it's great. It, it was this beautiful card that I'm super proud of and really like feel grateful that I was able to say all of these things to her um, when she got this diagnosis. And it's the kind of thing that like, I didn't get paid to do it. It wasn't in my plan <laughs> for the day, nor was getting cancer for her. And so when it comes back to that idea of connection, that goes on my to-do list. It may not mm -hmm. be the thing that was on my initial to-do list, but my God, if it wasn't meaningful. Mm -hmm. And so the the ways that and and you know down to like I spent two hours figuring out my new payment processing system and on the phone with Chase because I couldn't figure out this one aspect of it and all of the legalese and it was really frustrating and annoying like that's not my favorite way to spend the day right like that's the opposite right <laughs> reconnecting with my high school classmates and beloved friends um but it allows me to you know receive and celebrate um, the, the moments that, that may have been frustrating and may have been a huge time step, but I can, instead of looking at my day and saying like, oh, I spent two hours on the phone, I didn't get anything done, I just like had that one phone call, and instead saying, wow, that's great that I got that payment processing system set up, and now I can take recurring payments, and my clients and I, I don't have to mess with checks flying back and forth via USPS. Taking a minute to acknowledge that you you're getting things done, like and not discrediting the things that are on your list that you are knocking out, even though they may not have been a part of the original plan or the most pressing thing. Mm, yes, it's important. I had one like, aspect of the Tadalis that I found to be particularly meaningful, and that's for me, it's to share it with someone. And so, one of my dearest girlfriends. Um, Wendy Dolan moved to England and it was, I, I like feel emotions just saying that out loud, um, <laughs> but she moved about a year ago and we now share two Google Docs, Wendy's Tadaz and Lelia's Tadaz, and we comment on each other's and, you know, she can celebrate with me when I like figured out this annoying thing in QuickBooks. That's literally what is on my to-do list, right? It says figured out annoying thing in QuickBooks. <laughs> and I love it. To know that I'm not just writing it for me, but it's also this way of connecting with her and having these little moments together, despite the time difference, despite the ocean between us. Um, it's another motivator. And I think it really has helped us stay connected and mm -hmm. present in our respective businesses. She runs a Get Online NOLA. That's a website development company and digital media firm. And I get, I don't know half of what she's writing, right? Like I, I often have no idea the specifics of what she's doing, 
but I can celebrate with her about the things that she's accomplishing. And if it has an exclamation point, I know it's good. Again, it goes back to your original point about connection and community. And that just seems to be a recurring theme. And I love that. Mm. I really do. So speaking of that, let's keep talking on it. Um, So you posted, and I don't know if y'all can see a trend here, but I keep up on the social medium. So if you are posting, I'm probably watching. Um, and we'll talk <laughs> and we'll talk a little bit later about how you um, can stay abreast. And I use that with air quotes, y'all, because we're going to talk about breast practices next. Um, so tell us about that. Like, what exactly is a breast practice? Breast practices stem from the series of Instagram stories and Facebook stories that I've done um, while breastfeeding. So in part, this came from a dear friend, um, Sarah Reardon, who at the period vagina period whisperer is her handle. She is a health explorer, physical therapist, and goddess among humans who has helped really transform and take care of my body postpartum. And she's got this amazing social media presence. And one of the things that I'm, I'm all about accountability buddies. That's one of the ways that I function in the world. And (laughs) I asked her about it and she said, start posting stories, post one today. And so I said, okay, I promise I will. And then I posted every day for several days. And what I realized was, I was already sitting at the time, I think I was breastfeeding like four to six hours a day or something crazy. And so I was sitting in my my glider in my living room and realized how powerful it felt to me and how kind of powerful that message was to say, I still am a professional. I still have all of this expertise and we can talk about having a fulfilling career. We can talk about strategies to decrease burnout and integrate work and life. We can talk about negotiation and procrastination and all of these things. And I can be breastfeeding and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's been really fun. Um, I have I have two hashtags that I use. Lelia knows breast and breast practices. I had people. Oh my gosh. So it's been a, um, <laughs> a fun way to be connected. And I've gotten um, reconnected with a lot of people in my life through those stories. Again, I mean, through and through, like your authenticity and transparency is just so refreshing. And like when I think about entrepreneurs, especially, and like just the risk that it takes to take that step and and do do it on your own and not have kind of like this big business behind you. Think about um my experiences with entrepreneurs, I like to do business with people, like real life humans. And Mm. so the more I can connect with a person, the more inclined I am to support, to pay for, to recommend, to refer. I mean, the list goes on and on because I want to know that you're real, you know? And so in this fast paced world, a lot of people are not showing up as their authentic self because of fear. Mm. And it's oftentimes like kind of an entrepreneur thing, but also beyond that, I mean, like people are just really, really afraid to, to show up, admit that they're not 
really busy. They're just glorifying it and hoping that someone believes that they're being productive because they're talking Mm -hmm. about all the things that they're doing. And so I could go on a tangent for days about my feelings on that, but that is not what we're here for. We're here to talk to you. So (laughs) it reminds me of this quote from Anne Lamott, the, the author who says, never compare your insides to someone else's outsides or to everyone else's outsides. Never compare your insides to everyone else's outsides. Deeply resonant for me. And I think one of the things that I really pride myself on is personal. I think I'm missing the gene of like personal embarrassment. (laughs) Um, I, I very readily share, um, you know, I'll be super candid. When I realized I was having a miscarriage, I, I, one of my first thoughts was like, I'm so glad that I'm going to get to talk about this and Mm -hmm. it's not going to be right now. It's not going to be immediate, but like, this is something that I get to talk about now and normalize. And Mm -hmm. so when I look at you know, I, I met a psychologist who became fast friend. One of my girlfriends says we quickly fell into friend love, and <laughs> and that's that's characteristic of Heather Blyer, who's a psychologist out of Maine. And she said, "You're a shame launderer." I said, "What are you talking? about? This is two o'clock in my hotel room. Like we have two a.m. Wow. We've been talking all night. We're just you know hit it off. Amazing friendship right away." And she says, "Your willingness to be vulnerable and share." And your readiness to receive helps eliminate people's shame. The key element of shame is that it's secret. I'm broken. There's something wrong with me. I'm unlike anybody else. This makes me unworthy of love. And my willingness to self-disclose, according to her, and my willingness to receive and my either neutral or positive response when people share these vulnerabilities to me gives them permission to let it go and, and reduces some of that shame. And so that's one of the loveliest compliments I've received in my life is that, and this term she made up, a shame launderer. Oh, yeah. Like if we can really have these open and honest conversations about what our real lives look like, right? Like mm-hmm. this is me, I just left, you know, I like did a post where I just left a political event and I'd been so, I felt so good. I showed up with my baby and I was like, you know, I'm a few minutes late, but I'm here and it's great. And it was a disaster CG. It was like, oh my gosh, I, I was sweating so much. My baby would only stop crying when I walked out of the room. And so I think we were good. And I'd walk back in the room and this is, you know, all these elected officials from across the state of Louisiana. And I'm just fuchsia trying to calm this baby and stay present and engage. And, and it was, you know, at, at first I thought it was a disaster. And then this other mom came out. And we were just chatting and had the most beautiful connection. And it, and it ended up, she's become a friend. And um, it really, it put things in perspective for me that, um, you know, and I, I have this like very flush, you can see how red my face still is in the Instagram video. Um, in the story. <laughs> because I was so stressed out. Because it was, yeah. it was not cute. It was not this like, oh, look at this empowered mom, like doing it all. It was like, make your baby stop crying. It's really distracting and we can't hear the elected officials. And I like had a visual on that one and just oh was like, God. oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, me, purple face, hair in a high ponytail, just like shaking the, like not shaking the baby, but bouncing the baby, walking <laughs> right. back and forth, pacing through the back. 
yet so well-intended about that kind of like well-intended, you know, while also hustling and bustling and live in this fast-paced world. Um, love to know some tips from you for how you personally take time to kind of just slow down um, and mm. recharge your batteries. The biggest thing is to is for me to ask for help. Um, I have a beautiful support system. I have a therapist I love. I have a coach I love. I have um, best friends. Natalie Kaharik, who went through our um, program with us, says it's a status, not a person. And so I have this beautiful team of best friends and an amazing partner and parents. And I, I rely on them. So it's not that, you know, I'm primary caretaker all the time with T's who's the parent on duty, the pod, um, who's the person responsible for the child, who's, you know, helping me proofread or thought partnering me with me on this new program I'm going to start or really, you know, I, I think of a friend who said, Lelia, you're in secret mode right now. Your drive mm -hmm. is strong, but your direction's unclear. This is a few years ago. And for her to mirror for me and name that, what, what was going on for me, she could see more clearly than I could. Wow. And I think <laughs> there's a country song by the band Alabama. And <laughs> the line is, I'm in a hurry to get things done. I just rush and rush until life's no fun. All I got to do is just live and die. I'm in a hurry and I don't know why. Ooh. And there absolutely, I mean, just a few months ago, I went through a few weeks where it felt like that. It really had this intensity and this fervor. And I, I wanted to slow down, but I, I didn't feel like I could. And so really asking for help, asking for support, um, when I call my best friend, Brian, he says, honey, when was the last time you ate? I often forget to eat when I'm really stressed. So having loving reminders that I need to fill my body with food, particularly while breastfeeding. Um, it, it comes yeah. back to really, I don't have to have the clarity about what I need. I need to have the, the, the for me, I have to have the self-awareness to say, I need somebody to support. I need support. And that's what's been yeah. really transformative for me in those times of stress. I'll tell you, I ask that question a lot, just like complete strangers, people I meet, you know, people at work. And I just, I'm always curious, you know, how do people slow down? And oftentimes the response has something to do with um, like self-care, you know, just like a, a more stereotypical self-care process, like facial mask, I go get a massage, I um, do a bubble bath, maybe work even out. work out. You say, I, I lean on my support system, my crew, my tribe, my people, I ask for help. Um, when they call call me and check in on me, I listen, I, I accept that gentle reminder, that nudge, that check-in, like that's big. That's, I mean, again, well, and CJ, one similar threat. Share is that it's not, something I've learned is that not everyone can offer a clear mirror. And when I say mirror, I mean, 
CG, if you tell me, gosh, I'm so stressed out, um, or no, I'll give a, I'll give a great example. So I was stressed to the max. My ex-boyfriend had shown up at my graduation. It was not welcome. It was like drama. <laughs> I, like, he did not get along with my parents. It was a whole thing. Oh, and, boy. Um, and like I was trying to have him not see my parents. It was a whole thing. And I reached out to somebody who I really cared about. And I said, I, you know, this just happened. I just need to tell you. And she said, I totally understand. I'm thinking about leaving my husband. And I was like, wait, what? That's not helpful at all. Like, wow. <laughs> and so I think one of the things when I say reach out for help, it's about knowing who has the capacity to be present for you. And I think there are a lot of people who you can love and, and appreciate who maybe aren't going to be the person who will be best and most supportive. And that's not just like somebody who's going to listen what um, the expression, I think it's a British expression, like sympathy and tea. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, sometimes what I need is for someone to pour a baby me and give me sympathy and give me tea and like sit me on the sofa and snuggle me. And sometimes what I need is accountability and support. And so recognizing who in your life can be that clear mirror for you untangled by their own stuff, but really be present for you and say, you know, CG, what Mm -hmm. I'm really hearing you say is this, is this. Mm -hmm. And it's about you. It's not about what's going on with them or what they think you should do. Mm -hmm. Why I wanted the masses to get to know you, to get to know the great work that you're doing, the way that you have really just impacted my life and so many others. Um, in a very like ongoing way. I mean, like even from afar, I I don't feel like I need to sit right next to you as much as I would love to, um, to pick up on your nuggets and your LGisms. Hmm. So I, I, it's, that's a big deal in, in, um, in this kind of crazy world, um, to know the people that can pour into you without even knowing that they're pouring into you. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's good stuff. So I could talk to you for probably 300 hours, but (laughs) the whole name of the game here is, you know, time is a priority and it's precious and it's finite. You can't get more of it. So um, for the sake of your time and all of our listeners' time, um, I would love for you to close us out with telling us a little bit more about what you have coming up on the horizon or what's on your heart and your mind or really anything that you might want to share. Mm, thank you, CG. Appreciate the space that you're creating to have these conversations. One of the things that delights me and feels like I'm so lucky and fortunate to get to do it is working with women who are in that seeker mode. And so uh, one of the big transformations that's happened for me in the last several years is building this model where women come to me in seeker mode and they have a strategy session. It's typically you know 30 to 45 minutes of deep connection and reflection and they leave with some clarity. I had one client who said, it was just that call alone was a paradigm shift in how she approached her work. She wow. was able to say yes to a new role without hesitation soon after our call because she'd done that reflection and she'd had that 
space in that container to explore within. And so mm-hmm. um, I had another person who increased her salary by $30,000 um, mm. just after that one call. So it really, you know, it um, is, is one of my great joys to connect with women in that way and provide that preliminary support and really figure out if it makes sense for us to work together. So if you're listening to this and really feeling like you have the desire and the commitment and the energy to affect change, you've got that drive and the direction is unclear. You're willing to invest in yourself and in your professional life and in your career fulfillment. Um, I would love to hear from you. So the easiest way to get to my website is gowlandsllc.com. So that's my last name, G-O-W-L-A-N-D-L-L-C.com. And there you'll find my writing for Forbes, NBC, Harper's Bazaar, other publications, um, access to my newsletter. You can connect with me on Instagram and Facebook. I'm Lelia Gowland on all platforms. That's L-E-L-I-A-G-O-W-L-A-N-D um, on Instagram and on Facebook. And I am beyond excited about my upcoming book, You Got This, The Ultimate Negotiation Toolkit for Professional Women. It'll be coming out later this year. And uh, it's been on my heart and on my mind for so many years, certainly since CG and I met. And it's uh, it's coming to fruition. And the exact publication date is uh, yet to be discerned. But if you go to my website, certainly you can sign up to be the first to know. Um, and lastly, I am going to be in Georgia in just a few months. So come November, I'll be hosting one of my badass feminist happy hours in Atlanta co-hosted perhaps by C.G. Townsend and the Balance Not Busy podcast or Balance Not Busy um, brands and the Being Balanced podcast. Yeah, we just pump the brakes and go back to this book. Um, so oh. Oh, this is my first time hearing it. And um, what I really didn't tell you about my relationship with Lelia and the work that we did together was she really helped me make a huge huge jump professionally, new company, new pay situation, new vision on quality of life, um, increased confidence, courage, all of that stuff happened in our interaction. Y'all, I did not make one decision or one move or say yes to one recruiter without first texting, calling, or emailing her. So if this book has even just a slither of information that was similar to what she shared with me, it will be amazing. Like, Mm. I cannot speak highly enough of the way that you work with women the way that you instill confidence before we even get to the point where we're actually negotiating. Like I first had to feel confident about it before I could communicate the things you were teaching me to communicate. Um, And that has stayed with me. Like that experience Mm. has stayed with me in the workplace, in the way that I communicate with my peers, in the way that I provide recommendations. Like I have become a better professional as an or from our experience of negotiating. So y'all, I, like when she said that, I was screaming into the air um, <laughs> because <laughs> like, I was like, oh my God, I need to buy the book. I need to buy the book for my friends, for my colleagues. I need to buy the book. So 
She did not know I was going to say that. That was not a paid advertisement, <laughs> but I'm just here for this book, y'all. I don't even know what's in it, and I'm here for it. <laughs> well, thank you, CJ. It really builds on my experience working with women and supporting them in navigating and negotiating their careers. And one of the things that I heard you reference is, um, you know, my language is that it's strengths-based rather than telling you all the ways you're doing it wrong or giving you um, like, you have to say it this way. You can't say that. Don't bring your emotions in. It's really creating a supportive environment for you to explore and really refine your negotiating voice, build on your strengths and build that confidence so that you walk into the room, set up for success, clear about what you want and capable of getting it. Oh, that's so beautiful. I can't wait. Y'all, I cannot wait. I can't. I'm just, I'm, I'm all giddy with excitement now. Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us. Thank you for being a part of this conversation, this space, this journey. Um, thank you for sharing your tips. Thank you for sharing your candid moments as a new mom, as a solopreneur, and just all the things. Like, just thank you, thank you. It doesn't even seem like enough to express gratitude for you. CJ, I don't know if you can hear my face, but it has been an absolute pleasure for having me. <laughs> Thanks, friends, for tuning in again. Come back for more. Um, this is the Being Balanced podcast hosted by CG Townsend.